Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Matt Hopkins, the Executive Director for the Independent Brewers Alliance, the nation's only craft brewer-owned cooperative. There are over 100 craft brewers and growing who are members with 675,000 barrels of purchasing power. So Matt and I talk about the various savings programs that are in place for members and what an average or expected savings might be for breweries. We get into cans, the hot issue today, supply chain issues, and we talk about Matt's view on how long it might be before supply catches up with demand. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Matt Hopkins from the Independent Brewers Alliance. Hey, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It is great to have you. So tell me about the Independent Brewers Alliance. When did this get started and what is the mission of the organization? Well, uh, we are a craft brewer owned purchasing group. So uh, started in 2016, started putting the the core group of brewers together. Uh, The whole mission is to pool the purchasing power of the group to to save money on supplies and services uh, for all of our member owners. It sounds like music to my ears. So as far as purchasing, I know you guys refer to them as savings programs. What are Maybe give us some examples of, of what type of savings programs and which ones seem to get the most attention or the most use by brewery members. So the primary focus really when we started was those uh, non-emotional items that brewers have to buy all the time, the, the packaging, the cans, the bottles, the labels. Uh, I would say most of the attention is about cans, of course, these days, uh, labels. Uh, we have a great program for cleaning chemicals. Uh, we have several other good programs for custom taproom glassware and that kind of, that kind of thing as well. So in terms of the types of breweries that are in the program, um, maybe give us a range in terms of from a barrel production size, like from, from how small to how big and maybe some numbers in terms of how many breweries are currently participating? So that's actually pretty interesting because we started with the idea that you really had to be about 2,500 barrels or more to be able to participate in the IBA. Um, the whole idea was you needed to do enough uh, uh, packaging items to really justify the cost of the membership and the dues uh, that you would pay to have access to our savings programs. Um, One of the goals has been for the last couple of years is to kind of reorient ourselves so that we have options for smaller brewers. So um, we've diversified our our purchasing program. So it's not necessarily all packaging centric 
right now. Uh, we've also introduced an affiliate uh, way to participate with a group where you actually don't become a member owner. You don't pay any dues. You just pay a little bit more for your packaging materials. So that gave us the opportunity to start looking at 1,000 barrels, 500 barrels, 100 barrels. Uh, so we have a wide range of uh, brewers that uh, use our programs now, all the way from you know a couple hundred barrels to 70,000 barrels. We've talked um, previously, and in that conversation you had mentioned, we were talking about purchasing and you know pricing of raw materials and supplies and so forth within the craft brewery space. I think you had, had said it's really ridiculously inconsistent. And I just want to kind of get your take on why why you think that is. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. And, and a lot of it really has to do with how busy brewers are. They don't have time to go out and uh, price check every quote they get. A lot of, a lot of brewers uh, may not have the time to go out and get three or four different quotes on something they need. Um, and quite frankly, you know, suppliers are very, you know, I can talk, see pricing from one supplier to a small brewer that may be paying less than a big brewer. Um, it just may depend on when they got their pricing, you know, what, uh, what factors were going in that category at, at, at that time. But uh, it's, it's really inconsistent from brewery to brewery. Is that, that's something that you can, your organization can bring to that is either well, certainly the consistency aspect of it, but ideally, you know, kind of a negotiated price that's, you know, should be as good or hopefully better than what they've got already. Absolutely. So we we pool all of our members' information so we see where those inconsistencies are. So so theoretically, we're, we're going to iron them out as we negotiate a new program and get everybody down to a price where they should be. Uh 99% of the time when our brewers provide us with pricing information and purchasing uh, and purchasing information, we almost always can, can find some margin for them in, when we negotiate the program. So speaking of negotiating, you know, this is a real skill, right? Working with suppliers and vendors um, in the organization, um, like a two-part question here. Who who does the negotiating with suppliers and vendors and how does that process work? So I do all the uh, supplier negotiations. Um, I've been in operations and purchasing for 20 plus years. So uh, been doing this for a long time. And for us, the way it works now is, is um, it, it all is driven by the brewers. Uh, the brewers provide me the information for what they're currently buying. They tell me which programs they want to see developed. Uh, we'll take that information, pool it, go to the suppliers that our members are recommending, and then try and negotiate a, a national program if we can. Uh, the first preference is to have a national program. Uh, if we can't do that, just because the, the suppliers aren't there to make that happen, we may do regional uh, programs uh, in certain areas. Is there one supplier or vendor option for each savings program? I know you said, you know, maybe there's a national or, or, or regional, but relative to the suppliers in a particular savings program, uh, do you have multiple options or how, how does that, how does that work? Normally the reason we get the price advantages is we're doing one supplier per category on a national basis. If we can, uh, 
if we can't do that, we may do a preferred supplier, you know, in the east and a, and a different preferred supplier in the west. Um, it really just depends on the category itself and, and how easy it is to ship uh, products cross country or, um, you know, where people have shipping locations makes a big deal, uh, makes a big difference. So we usually try and look at it at landed cost. How can we get the, the cheapest landed cost for our members? And, you know, given your experience in purchasing, uh, do you have any best practices to share? Like, what do you believe are the key purchasing tactics or strategies uh, that need to be considered to get that, that best landed prey? Well, you need to make sure that you're considering the freights. A lot of people forget to kind of look at what that landed cost is going to be. Uh, you need to make sure that, that you're including all uh, the different setup fees and charges that uh, comes in. Uh, when you're negotiating the price and always making sure that you're bringing in pricing from multiple vendors. I mean, that's one reason why we think we can be a great asset to uh, craft brewers is they don't have time to go out to three or four different suppliers to get pricing. But, but we have full-time staff to, to do all that legwork for you. So if you look at, you know, maybe you have this data, like an average or expected savings that breweries can get, with the programs, you know, how would a, how would a brewery, you know, what, maybe what's a general range that you've seen and then how would a brewery determine what their specific uh, cost savings might be? So it's really hard to give people a general range just because again, pricing can be so inconsistent uh, from brewer to brewer and category to category. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, people are usually saving 10 to 30% uh, in different categories and it really depends on how many different categories or how many different programs you want to participate in how much total savings you could have overall um, what we try and focus on we have four or five what we call keystone programs where any one of those programs could save you at least the amount of dues if not double or triple um, what you'd be paying in dues so we really focus in on, on those four or five programs you know cans labels cleaning chemicals uh, custom taproom glassware and if those programs work, we're going to see uh, an ROI for joining the group. And then if you start layering on the value, uh, do participating in three or four of those programs, you can you know, save well in excess of what you'd ever pay. So pricing obviously is the, the thing that's kind of front and center. It's the black and white, right? If, we, if, we, if you join as a member, you'll pay a fee, uh, you'll get savings uh, relative to those programs that you're you're speaking of and at the end of the day if you're you're saving more than your than your dues you know it's it's a win right yeah. but if we look so pricing is obviously important but actually getting this the supplies is really probably the key to it isn't it and particularly these days where we have supply chain disruptions um how do you how do you look at that and can this can your programs help with supply issues and obviously i'm thinking you know of cans in particular but you know certainly there you know there may be other uh, supply chain constraints these days well cans is certainly a class auto itself these days um, we're fortunate to work with a really good partner uh with cans so um i can't say that we have had no issues but we've had fewer issues than i would expect uh considering the current market but the one thing you, have, you, you always have to keep in mind is that we are talking to our brewers about who their best suppliers are and those that's the pool of suppliers that we're creating relationships with we're, we're if if somebody has an issue with uh with 
a supplier consistently not delivering goods, we're not going to do, we're not going to deal with them. So um, our, our pool of suppliers always starts with member recommended suppliers. So speaking of cans or sticking with the can issue, uh, what's your view on this? You know, how long before the supply is going to catch up with the demand? What, what, what do you, uh, what do you see in there in the crystal ball? So I talk with a lot of people about cans. Uh, I talk with brewers who can't find cans. I talk with suppliers who can't supply cans uh, constantly for the last couple of months. And it's not going to improve through 2021. At least that's not what I'm hearing from most of the suppliers. Uh, It will improve a little bit in a couple of months as large distributors start bringing in international supplies of cans, cans from China, cans from the Middle East, cans from, from South America. So we will have a little influx of supply. Um, it may not be enough for, to solve everybody's issues. We're going to pay a lot more for these cans than uh, what you're used to paying to, to domestic suppliers, thanks to tariffs and freight and everything getting the cans here. But uh there's definitely going to be probably the next couple of months are going to be the worst where if you want a, a cans and you don't have somebody you're either contracted with or you're already working with a, with a good size distributor uh, that has a little, little capacity. Um, you know, most of the, you can't, the, you can't just go out and find a new supply of cans. Most of the smaller distributors have all, basically decided they're not going to supply cans to anybody but their core customers, the ones that come back time and time again. They're not going to give somebody a one-off shipment of a, of a truckload of cans. It's just not going to happen. So the next couple of months will be kind of the low point, I think, in the industry. International cans will start arriving January, February 2021, um, and that will relieve some of the pressure, I think. Um, again, price points are going to be much higher than what people are used to, but they're, they're at least going to have the potential to, to get their hands on some cans. Uh, from what I understand, twenty or end of 2021, you're going to have a little bit of domestic capacity increase, um, which should start solving things. And assuming we get uh, uh, COVID-19 under control, then hopefully bars and restaurants start getting back to full swing. People start getting stuff into, into kegs. Uh, and that'll help as well. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, everything shifted to off-premise packaged beer, and people are still drinking, you know, probably the same amount, if not more. But they really have primarily one way to get it. So yeah, it's good. That, that that's a that's a good point. Once it's sort of uh, they're related, right? Yes. Um, that that can that can help help that supply and demand. Um, I wanted to ask you: Are you are you hearing of any breweries that are experimenting with different? packaging materials as a result of the can shortage and, and you know the obvious is glass but is there any any other materials or is that pretty much the two standards well it's pretty interesting because uh well i thought it was pretty obvious that people would be pushing back into glass a little bit more there's a glass shortage as well um and it's for the same reason uh you know there is more more glass bottles being used last six months or eight months than there probably has been in a long time. So um, people can't just switch back to 12-ounce uh, glass. Um, people can't just switch from a 12-ounce can to a 16-ounce can. 16-ounce uh, cans are generally more uh, uh, available at this point. But uh, 
I don't know what else you do. I mean, you're, you're stuck in a distributor relationship where you can't just change your packaging. So um, what I've always, or what I've been recommending to my members is, is have a secondary plan. You know, if you're used to bright, uh, printed cans, make sure you have brights and you have your label artwork ready to go. If just in case you don't get your printed cans, you have an alternative or, uh, you know, find, find something to provide some sleeves or, or something. Um, but have have backup plans, especially for your core SKUs. Mm, absolutely, and I guess just just to bring the this can discussion to a conclusion. Do you so for those breweries that maybe did not have contracts or having issue with with uh, just getting cans? Is that would would you say that's a compelling reason to maybe consider your your programs? Because not only can you save them money, but you can actually get them uh, the supply. Now it's not like there is a unending sort or unending amount of cans coming from our supplier. However, um, they have been very proactive in finding alternative uh, sources of cans. So um, they'll have international supply starting to arrive. You can get your cans through our program. Uh, once that starts happening, there it's definitely uh, recommended, as far as I'm concerned, for a small brewer to go through you know, a program like ours through a distributor like we're using that, uh, you know, takes some of the responsibility. I can't imagine being a 300 or 400 barrel brewer and saying, hey, I'm going to go buy cans from China. Uh, that just doesn't sound like it's going to end well. You know, go through a large distributor. Our program can help you do that. Great stuff, Matt. I really appreciate it. And hopefully there's some good information here for the listeners and if somebody wants to get in touch with you learn more about your organization what's the best way for them to do that uh you can look at our website at uh, brewersalliance.org or you can email me at matt at brewersalliance.org as well excellent and i will put a lot of this information in the show notes so people can link right to that and matt thanks so much for the time all right thank you Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.